Cool. So, well, I, I am a college intern, so I technically just recently graduated from college. Um, but I, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to A&M. I know. Uh, but I did the right thing. I married an Aggie. So, yeah, yeah, and it's been awesome. I also have Aggie pants on right now, so it's pretty cool. Um, me and my wife, we've been married for about three years. Uh, it'll be three years in May, so we're really excited about that. Uh, but we, together, since we've been married, we have fallen in love, not just with each other, but we've fallen more in love with health and fitness. And so we love to do races. We, she's done like four or five, seven mar- half marathons. Um, sometimes she only trains and runs six miles total and then just runs a half marathon. You know, she's amazing. Uh, but... I recently, this past month, I, we did the Rebel Run together. I don't know if any of y'all did that, but it was, it's an obstacle race that was put on by Youth Impact. And anyway, so we, we went and ran the Rebel Run, and something about me, I'm very competitive. I love competition, and often that competition makes me run faster. Um, it makes me get angry sometimes. Uh, and sometimes I feel like if I didn't do what I or if I, didn't li- if I did not compete at the standard by which I put myself at, I get sad, and I feel like a loser, even though I didn't lose the race. Um, so, I've felt, for my whole life, I've struggled with comp- competition. Like, I've, I've made it something more than it is. And so, through this race, it was one of the first times I had truly done a race without letting my competitive spirit get over me, or, like, take over me and, like, make me... Someone I'm not. So uh, anyway, so on this race, I had just passed up about, about 10 college guys, so I felt pretty, pretty cool, you know. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. But, but my legs felt great. I didn't feel tired. I was at mile three. Um, I had two more miles to go, a couple more obstacles, and I was really pumped. I was like, man, God, I, I thank you for giving me a good day. Like, I'm not sitting here wishing I was beating everybody or wishing negative things about the people I pass. Like, I, I'm legitimately enjoying the day, and I want to honor you. So I prayed. I said, God, don't let my competitive, continue to not let my competitiveness rob you of your glory, but rather let my competitiveness just make me be a better person. And so, funny thing about that is that God heard my prayers, and uh, literally, like, a second later, there's a guy up in front of me, and I'm like, oh, cool, another guy, another college guy. I'm gonna go pass him up, you know, and and I get up, I get close to him. I'm about 10 feet from him. And then the dude throws up, like, big time. And I'm like, oh, man. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll sit back. And then literally he throws up again. Like, he's thrown up twice now. And I'm like, whoa, man. Okay, so he slows down. I catch up to him. And I'm like, man, dude, hey, we're almost there. You're doing great. You threw up twice and you're still going. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, and I'm like, dude, we're almost there. We got a mile left. He looks up to me, and instead of being like, yeah, bro, he was like, you think you can beat me? I was like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't quite what I was expecting. But so um, I, I back off. He runs faster. I don't know what happened. And so I, so I catch up with him again. It's not because I'm trying to beat him. I'm just trying to run, all right? And uh, he eventually, he turns around to tell me that my face paint that I had was on the wrong side. See, I was going for a brave heart, you know, Mel Gibson face paint. And he was like, no, man, that's the wrong side. It's supposed to be on the left. And I was like, okay. Uh, and so I keep going. And I pass him up. And then I, 
I suddenly hear and feel breathing on my neck, and I almost feel someone touching my heel. So I'm like, okay, seriously, this guy can run faster than me, and I'm okay with that. So I go to the side. The little run past me, but no, he follows me. And he's on my heels, and so eventually he passes me again. Um, he let me know but while he was doing that, he was using my draft, my seven-mile-per-hour draft. I don't know how that's possible, but yeah. Um, so anyways, we get to one of the last obstacles. There was three obstacles left, and the, la- the, third, ob- the third to last one was an A-frame ladder that went over a fence. So it's about six feet, seven feet tall. And as we're approaching, we're together, and I've been like, yeah, dude, you got this. I've still been like trying to be nice, you know, and as we're approaching, he goes, dude, man, I dare you to do it with no hands. I was like, bro, God, me give me hands. I'm going to use them. All right. <laughs> and so we get there. He starts climbing that thing. It was, it was impressive. He climbs up most of the ladder. He gets to the top step, no hands. I'm impressed. He starts to fall. And it's in that moment that I had a decision to either truly let my competitive spirit to overtake me or let him fall. Because then I would have totally beat him. Like, he would have been out of the race. And so, uh, but there was something about me. I was like, nah, I can't do that. So I put my hand up. I helped him. He didn't fall. He eventually beat me, and I was okay with that. No big deal. So we get to the, we get to the finish line, and he fills up again. And so I go up to him again, and I'm like, hey, dude, good race. And he doesn't say a word to me. It's like, I didn't even exist. Like, it was so weird. And so my point is, is that even when we start loving people, even when we choose to do the hard thing, there will be opposition sometimes. And this happens to you guys. Some of you guys might have jobs. You might uh, be an employee. Um, I, I worked at Starbucks, and I was legitimately not liked at Starbucks for a couple months because they knew I was a Christian. And that might happen to you. You might get a job after college and your coworkers or your boss knows you're a Christian. They just don't, they, they won't want to associate with you because they know you love people. And they might find that offensive. Or, this is a good one, you have roommates who don't wash the dishes. And you wash dishes for them, you love them, you sacrifice your time to love them, and they don't even notice, and they don't even care. So yeah, when we love people, we may face opposition. And this is, what, this is, this is why that's so important, because the world will hate us. And that's, the, the following passage after this tells us that the world will hate us. And that's what John is getting at in this passage. He's saying, hey, you are a friend of God, and that means you are precious, that means you have a place, that means you have, you've been picked, and that means you have a purpose. And this is what God wants you to remember. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples in the Last Supper. He's saying, hey, I want you to remember when the world hates you, remember who you are and what your purpose is. So yeah, Jesus calls you a friend, and that word is philos. In the Greek. So Jesus calls you a philos. Well, that's, that's great. What the heck does that mean? Um, well, a philos is, is in Greek, it means to be a close a companion or a close, closely, to be closely associated with someone. This is also the word that was used in that culture to describe a groomsman, grooms, a, sorry, a bridegroom's friend. So this would be like a groomsman in our, in, our, in our culture or a best man, someone who was given a task to make sure. The wedding happened, all right? And uh, that's, that's what Jesus calls you. He calls his disciples, hey, you are a philos. Let's look at the text. 
He says, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. So the the word philos basically means you are precious. Jesus' friends are precious to him. You are so close to him, and he wants you to be so part of his life. He trusts you. He wants you to do things, and we'll get to that later. But you are, remember, you are a precious person to Jesus. Second thing, not only are you just precious, you have a place with him. This is, this is really cool. This is an awesome concept. We have a place with God. We are not on the outside looking in. We're not the slave any longer, someone who doesn't know what's going on. We are in on the end. We are a friend of God. Let's look at the text. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So, again, you are in on the end. You have a place with God. This is not just talking about, you know, someone who tells you something. It's, it's also a position. See, when we accept Christ as our, as our Savior, we have been reconciled. Let's look at another passage. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace with the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in him and his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him wholly blameless and beyond reproach. See, you have been reconciled. As a friend of God, we are no longer hostile to God or on the opposing side to God. We are now, we've now been reconciled through the blood and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are now reconciled. We are put back in harmony with God. So you are precious to God because you are a friend of God. And you are also, you have a place in him. That's great. So, it's, you know, so some people, like me, I'm an intern, you know, and I work at Grace now. Some of you guys might be student leaders at Grace. Uh, and some of you guys might be students. And so being a part of Grace, you get to learn about Grace or, or about how a church functions, especially as a leader. You start to see how a small group or a growth group functions, what needs to happen for things to, to, to go down. Um, and as an intern, I can tell you, now that I work at Grace, I, I've learned so much. I've learned how a church functions. I've, I've learned how to raise support for a whole year. I've learned, I'm, I'm in on the end. I get to talk to Brian and Jacob all the time. You know, it's really cool. And uh, but yeah, so that is what it's like with you guys and us. All the people who are friends of God who have been saved, we are in on the end. So we are precious. We have a place. And all those, those two things are not based on what you do or what I do or something that you will, will do later in your life or something you've done. It's not based on any of your good works. It's based solely on one fact, and that is God's grace. See, God graciously picked us. Jesus' philos, his friends, have been picked by him. Let's look at the text. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And so some people see this and they go, that sounds pretty scary. But the bottom line is that Jesus choosing us, God choosing us, is solely based on grace. It's not based on anything I did 
or I will do. It's just based on God's grace. Let's look at another text. Ephesians 1. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And you were dead in, your trans, in, in dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. So what I want you to get there is that you've been picked solely by God's grace. It's a gracious thing that God chose you. So remember, as a friend of God, you are a friend, you are precious, you have a place, you've been picked. So that's great. I've been picked. Why? What, what's, what's the big deal? Why, what, what, what's the big deal? Why is it important to know that I'm precious? Why is it important to know that I have a place? Why is it important to know that I've been picked? Because you have a purpose. So just like my dog, Strider, when, I, when Sarah and I were first married, you know, back when we were young and really cool, uh, we decided it was awesome to go get a dog because we thought we could do it. We could hang out with it, take care of it. Um, so we went to the animal shelter, and there were uh, tons of dogs, tons of puppies. But this is the dog we saw that loved us the most. And so we were like, ah, oh, that's precious. We're going to take him. Uh, and, I mean, look at him. He's so cute. Um, yeah, so we, we picked Strider. What's interesting about Strider is that he cost us over $2,000 within a year. He destroyed our couches. He destroyed Sarah's retainers, and we had to pay that. We had to pay for those things, but we still loved him. We still kept him because we had picked him. There was nothing that was going to change that. And so, yes, you have been picked by God. Remember that. You've been picked by God. You are precious, and you have a place. But you've been, you, have these, you are these things because you have the purpose in him. See, Jesus' friends have the ultimate purpose in life. And that is to serve him. And we serve him by loving others and loving him. Let's look at the text. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So, big idea. Our purpose in life is to love others, to love God. Why? Why is it important for us to bear fruit? We bear fruit by loving others. It starts with love. You can't bear fruit without having love. It's, it's impossible. It's like a smoothie. You can't have a smoothie without a blender, all right? Unless you're extremely cool and somehow can chop up a lot of stuff without a blender. I mean, that, but you have to have a blender to have a smoothie, okay? You cannot bear fruit without having love. You can't. You can't have, you can't have love without bearing fruit, Okay? And the fruit is not always evident to you, all right? But that's what I want you to know. 
Bearing fruit and love go hand in hand. You can't separate them. They're like a blender, all right? You got to have the blender to have the smoothie. But why? why? Why is that our purpose? Why does that matter? It glorifies God. Let's look at another, another text. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So, so there's two ideas here. When we bear fruit, we glorify God. That's, that is the ultimate reason why we were made, we were created. But as Jesus' friends, we are called, we have the purpose to bear fruit. And what's awesome about that is you get something out of that. We get something out of that as friends of God. We get joy, joy made in full, joy to the fullest, okay? Because when we love God, we're doing, when we love God and others, we're doing what we were called to do as humanity. And that glorifies God, and in turn, God gives us joy. So awesome. I'm sold, Dusty. Let, let's, let's, let me be a philos. I want to go. I want to serve others. I want to be a friend of God. I want to have, I want to be precious. I want to be, I want to have a place. I want to be picked. I want to have, I want to have this awesome purpose. Well, first of all, love, we got to define what love is, okay? Love, according to this passage, is sacrificial. Let's look at another text. This is how John explains what love is. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So, you see, you want to be a friend of God, and you want to have this purpose, well, it takes sacrifice. We are called to love with sacrifice. Love and sacrifice are like the blender again, okay? They, they can't be separated, all right? Sometimes your sacrifice might be really tiny. You might not even notice it because it's not a big deal to you. But sometimes your sacrifice is great. When I was a wee little lad back in the day, I had the rare privilege of sacrificing my body for my little sister. And so here's how the story goes because that sounded kind of weird. But so <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, we totally had a dog we lived out in the country, and we had, there was a big dog, a black lab, Great Dane. This dog was huge. And get this, this was ironic. His name was Elmo. So when you think Elmo, you think the cute guy, right? But no, this dog was huge. Um, so he lived about 10 acres away from us. That's pretty far. I mean, as a kid, that's like a freaking long way away, okay? So, but we were, I was rollerblading on my new rollerblades, the, the ones that are like, they're not in line. We're talking like old school, I can't skate rollerblades, okay? So I'm rollerblading down the street, you know, and Maggie's with me. She's, she's hanging out with me. And then we come around the corner, and then we see in the distance, Elmo. I panic. I mean, my heart dropped. I mean, I was like, I felt like I didn't have a heart. And that's, you know, Maggie's running. And so I'm like, oh, great. The dog's going to start chasing us. So I start rollerblading. I, in my mind, this dog is chasing us. It is totally coming after us. Um, we're, 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 I'm rollerblading. I start beating her because, you know, she's totally behind me. I'm running rollerblades, right? And we get to our land. And see, between the street and our house was a field. You can't rollerblade on a field. It's grass. And, it's, I, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm like eight, nine maybe. And I get there, and I start, like, you know, hopping. Like, I'm trying to, like, just get across, you know. But Maggie passes me up. Elmo is down the street. He had turned the corner. 
I'm freaking out because I know I'm about to fall. And that's what happens. I fall. And Maggie starts crying because she, she thinks I'm going to die. And I'm like, and she starts crying. And I'm crying. I'm like, just go. Just go. Ironically, the dog actually never followed us. So, but yeah. So that's what sacrifice is like. Sometimes you just got to know. You just got to know. I got to sacrifice myself for my little sister because I was forced to. But, yeah. So, <laughs> remember that. Remember, you, as a friend of God, you, have, you are precious to him. You have a place. You've been picked. And you have the ultimate purpose, and that is to love others and to love God sacrificially. So cool. Awesome. Dusty, I want to be in on this. But here's the catch. Unfortunately, the world will oppose us. And we know this because the world hated Jesus. You see, Jesus' friends, the friends of Jesus will be hated by the world because the world hated Jesus. And how do we see that? How do we know that? How how, How can I say that? Because Jesus was put on a cross. He loved us so much that one, he didn't have to come down and save us. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He sacrificed his time, his efforts, he sacrificed his rights, his right as the son of God. And he came down and he put himself on the cross to die for you, for me. So why did he have to die? Why did he have to sacrifice himself? Because we have sin in our lives. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that's cool. Not really. But, so what's the big, about, what's the big deal about sin? Sin, unfortunately, has a huge consequence. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Or another way you can look at it, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. By nature, we are sinners. And by nature, that means we are supposed to be separated from God forever. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the, the coolest thing is, is all you have to do is to believe that. To be a friend of God, all you have to do is to believe that. Acts 16.31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's very simple. The jailer, the Philippian jailer comes out and he's like, he, he's afraid he's going to die. Because Paul had totally just been saved by an angel or by God. And the Philippian, the Philippian jailer is sure, certain that as being a jailer and all the people in the jail are free, he's certain that he will die. So he asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul just says, believe and you'll be saved. But all you have to do to be a friend of God is believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So cool. The world will hate us. Awesome. How do I, how do I live, Dusty? How do I live in such a way that shows that I'm a philos? It's simple. There's two principles out of this passage. There's actually tons of principles, but I chose two, okay? Um, The first one, be sacrificial in loving God and others. So I know you guys think you guys have it rough in college. Y'all don't have enough time to read the Bible or to get in God's word. And what's interesting is that will never change. You will always think that you don't have enough time. There'll always be a problem. So sacrifice just 15 minutes of sleep. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. 
Never have I regretted getting up an extra 15 minutes early just to spend time with Jesus. So, sacrifice some time to spend with the Lord. Sacrifice your rice as a roommate and choose to serve your roommates by washing their dishes. I know. This is a great example of my wife. She washes our dishes all the time. I mean, I'm a terrible roommate. I do not wash the dishes very much. And that's, that's bad. I'm not sacrificing my time and my desires to love her. So you can also sacrifice your time by serving in your community. Give some examples, church, nonprofits, communities. Yeah, yeah. It's not that hard to find things and find ways to sacrifice yourself to love others. And this is the hardest one. I know y'all think y'all don't have money, but sacrifice your money and give globally and locally. Don't just give, you know, to grace. If you do give, if you do give to grace, that's great. But think globally. Give it on a global, a global scale. And see, I'm not here to make you feel bad if you don't have money. But I am here. I want you to know that you can sacrifice your money. See, we all go to Starbucks or we go to Mugwalls or Muldoon's and we spend on average 10 bucks a week getting coffee. So what if you decided to not spend $10 at Starbucks for one week? And let's be honest, some of you guys spend way more than $10 at Starbucks, okay? So what if you just sacrificed one week, said, nope, I'm not going to go to Starbucks and I'm going to spend that money instead to a charity or to, or to Compassion International. I'm going to s- donate that money somewhere else. And if it's your parents' money, which might be the case, I don't think they're going to get upset with you. So So sacrifice your time, your desires to have a cup of coffee that you think is necessary, but it's not. The lastly, big thing. This is what I want you to walk away with. All right, so you're a friend of God. Being a friend of God is awesome, all right? You're precious. You have a place. You've been picked. You have a purpose. But it starts with what? What did John do? Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for each other or for another, for his friends. Remember the cross. Think about the cross. When you wake up in the morning, every morning, I try to do this. I'm not the grace at it. It might be a couple minutes later. It might be a whole hour later, or it might be at the end of the day. Um, But try to make it a habit of waking up and thinking and remembering what Jesus did for you on the cross. In the empty grave, the power of what Jesus did. Because I'm telling you right now, it will blow your mind. You start to think about how selfish you are. You start to think about how dependent you are and you want to serve him and you want to show others that sacrifice. And so you know that the only way someone's going to believe, the only, someone, the only way that someone's going to truly want to be a Christian or want to be a friend of Jesus is if they see friends of Jesus loving others. Who wants, who wants to be a friend of Jesus if they're always you know, being hypocrites or, or gossiping and hating others. Who wants to, what, what's the difference? What makes a Christian so different? A Christian is different because they love even in opposition. Even when the world hates them, they still love. So yeah, I know it's kind of corny, but let's, let's, let's start a hashtag, all right? Let's, let's start a hashtag. Remember the cross. Let's, whenever you do something that's sacrificial, post it. Be like, man, that was tough. Hashtag remember the cross, you know. Um, do it. Let's, let's, and if, maybe you don't really post on Facebook. That's okay. Or whatever, Twitter. I don't, I don't know what y'all do. Um, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you just you tell your close friends, your small group, man, that was tough. Hashtag remember the cross. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's be a culture here at A&M that lives in a way that remembers the sacrifice of Jesus Christ 
and reflects that sacrifice. I'm going to close with, with one passage real quick. It's the, the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love, we love you. And we're so amazed at your love for us, that you have graciously picked us, that, you, that we're precious to you despite who we are and how we stand before you. God, help us to be a culture that lives in a way that's sacrificial. God, help us to love others like you loved us. And God, thank you for this time. And I just, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome getting to share your word. Um, and God, ultimately, I pray that the people, that the people here, that they would, they would come walk out of here tonight wanting to be more like you and wanting to serve like you served us and to sacrifice their time and their efforts. We love you and we praise you. Amen.